Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Joel T. Coleman here with you on a Friday morning. Glad to get the weekend started with you here at supertalk.fm or wherever it is you get podcasts. We appreciate you guys tuning in. We thank all our listeners, especially our servicemen and women out there taking care of us. Want to thank our sponsors at Strange Brew Coffeehouse and Churnin' Spoon Ice Cream. This weekend, if you come up to Starkville for some basketball, make sure you stop by there. You know, before you before you get out get home, if you if you're driving straight home from the game, give yourself a little something there before after you know for the little for the ride home, or if you get there you know before the game, a little juice to get you pepped up. Or you can stop coming in and stop going out. You know, it's fine. You can literally do both. Literally, we would encourage that. We would. Actually. We would actually do that. I uh, also want to thank our other sponsor, uh, College Corner. Our good friends out there in, in the Ridgeland area, they're by Fleet Feet or in Flowood by uh, the Half Shell. Don't waste don't waste your time up here in Starville standing in line. Have that MSU merchandise already on your back because you got it at College Corner. Or you can shop online at collegecornerstore.com. They can get that shipped to you probably, I would imagine, before opening day if you're headed back next weekend for a little uh, MSU baseball, which we're going to talk about today on the show. So, collegecornerstore.com or College Corner, either one of their two locations in the Jackson area. Big show today. We're going to cover a little bit of everything. Uh, we'll start with men's basketball, though. I think that's the uh, that's where we need to start because Vanderbilt now is red hot, yep. scorching the Nets. That's, I mean, you know, they haven't lost since uh, the game before last. They haven't lost since they won. Yeah, that's. I mean, I'm checking everything I've got over here, and I'm pretty no sure that that's correct. Vanderbilt won their first SEC game. I mean, they have the they are tied for the best SEC record since what Tuesday? Yes. They're, they're on, if, if the SEC race had started on Tuesday, they'd be in first. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's the, the hard-hitting analysis you folks tune in for. They, 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 but they played well. They took down they LSU, who, has not, who had not lost prior to that. And, and the game 99 points on the board. And when at the game before that, they were like slugging it out with Kentucky? They were in it with Kentucky. They took Auburn to overtime. This, is, this team is not as bad as their record makes them out to be, which makes this game on Saturday dangerous as heck. <laughs> Is this a true statement? Is this a fair statement? Every game State plays for the rest of the way, except for maybe at Arkansas, is a trap game. They can't ever look ahead. They have to win every game that they're favored to win. If I told you right now that State loses at Arkansas, mm-hmm. they win all the rest of them except one, and mm-hmm. you pick it. Yeah. I don't care which. Are they in? They they have one slip up. They'd be 12 and 12 and 6. Let's see. Right now they're five and four. four. So two more losses. So six. Yeah, they'd be twelve and six. They're in. They're in. Yeah, they're in. It, it doesn't. It almost doesn't matter. You probably couldn't lose this one. Probably couldn't lose to Texas A. Right, if you're twelve and six and lose this one, you're okay. That's a bad loss though at home. It is, but I think if you're twelve and six, are, and are, are they at Texas A and M later this year? I can't remember if it's there or here. I don't either. But yeah, those are two you probably wouldn't want to lose. Maybe. Might hurt to hear, but you know the best choice might be at Ole Miss. To be totally honest with you, but regardless of that, uh, at twelve and six, yes, they would completely be into the NCAA yeah. tournament. Because I mean, what would their record be at that point? So they, they're what? What are they? Fourteen and seven, right now? Fourteen and eight. Fourteen and eight. So that would be uh, like twenty-one and yeah, eight. Would be maybe twenty-two and uh, ten. Yeah, they're Something in. Like yeah, they're they in, do. and they're probably yeah. a five, six seed. So they actually do have a little more wiggle room than I think than I've I've been giving them credit for here lately. Yeah, ESPN some, agrees. 
I, I can't believe it. So yeah, I, I think I've been attacking the rest of the schedule in my mind by thinking like the only games left that they could lose and be okay is like at Arkansas. Yeah. And, no, they, and, but, but they have they have some they have a room. little wiggle room. But that said, you don't want, you don't want to use one of those free spaces on Saturday. You know what you don't want to lose the Alabama game because that's a going to be a decent win. You know, you don't want to lose uh, Ole Miss on the Ole Miss on the road might actually be a, if Ole Miss could win a couple. Well, I guess they only have one more game to play, but if they could somehow win another game, it might help you out. But the they could win after that. Win after that, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. Interesting. Vanderbilt's an interesting team, like I said. They're, they're not as bad as their record makes you think they are, but they're not good either. Uh, they're led by Aaron Neesmith, who's uh, averaging, uh, or he was anyway, before he got hurt. Never mind. He's, he, he got hurt. I totally blew my mind there. But Saban Lee is our leading scorer right now. 16, almost 17 points per game for him. And then in what's going to make Joel and I feel really old, their second leading scorer is Scotty Pippen Jr. Whew. I'm old enough that a guy I saw play his entire career has a son. Playing college, uh, college basketball. Did I tell you the, the thing that made me feel old the other day about Dusty Baker? What about it? You remember his son that JT Snow saved? Oh, yeah. When Yeah, I do remember all that. He's a starting shortstop for Cal. Wow. Yeah. That'll make you feel old. I, mean, like, I remember that kid nearly getting beefed in the World Series. And, yeah. yeah. Gosh, what was it? That had been like, what, 18 years ago? Was it 2002? 2002. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know when it was, yeah. Mm. So, anyway, uh, Vanderbilt's being outscored by just, they're just being outscored by a point per game. I wonder if Pippen will be here. It's a good question. He might. He might He might do that. Pippen's one of those guys I'd take my picture with. Us. <laughs> if I saw Pippen, that would be cool, yeah. yeah. I, I, would, I, I wouldn't mind that. Um, they're being out-rebounded by about three rebounds a game. They're not a great shooting team at 43%, as you would imagine. 33% from behind the arc is not terrible, though. They're a really bad free-throw shooting team, though, 68%. We can look at these numbers all we want. At the end of the day, Mississippi State's going to be a, a double-digit favorite in this game. They should win this game pretty easily. But like we've been saying, they don't have any room for, for error. This is not. I, 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 I go back to your original question. This is not the game they can lose. They can't lose this game. This is this would be a bad loss. Yeah, I, I think you're right because I don't have it pulled up in front of me. Although I can do it in a couple of clicks here. Um, I wonder what Vandy's net is coming. It's in the hundreds. Um, literally one click. Here, here we go. Vandy net. Oh, I'm scrolling through. 146. Yep, there they Be- are. Beating LSU raised them from 170 to 146. They went up 30, 24 spots. Yeah, that ain't bad. With one win. They'd probably go up another 20 or so. Or if they maybe, beat State, be, yeah. Maybe more than that, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. But, it, uh, yeah, you, you can't lose at home. They went out, they're probably going to get in. To number 146 in the day. <laughs> Depending on I mean, who they... They still got another game with Kentucky, I think. They got to play. I guess if they won out, they'd be what ten, they'd be and, 10 eight. and eight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hope hope reigns eternal uh, over there in Nashville, but yeah, man. If if State loses this game, I just feel like it's an uphill climb the rest of the way. I mean, I'm not saying that they wouldn't get in the tournament, but it sure feels like they wouldn't. Just at, at first gut feeling yeah. um and maybe that's prisoner of the moment type stuff i but, agree though i but, agree but state's current net's 41 you don't, you don't need to have a two-game losing streak in the middle of the year here you don't need to lose back-to-back games including a home game you don't need to do it so this so, game i mean 
how far did LSU fall losing to them? Let's see. That'll be interesting to me. They fell five spots losing yeah. to Vandy. So if State falls five spots, they'll be on the lower end of the 40s. And they might and fall further, to be totally honest. Maybe so. The LSU has a little bit more building them up. State might fall into the 50s. So, yeah, this is a must-win game. Was that at LSU? The Vandy? No, it was at Vandy. It was in Vandy. So, State really might fall further yeah. since how it's a home game and stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, you could see State falling into the 50s at that point in the net. And then you got to climb basically another, you know, like Howlin said, if you want that large berth to feel comfortable, you need to be in the 30s. Um, I, bottom line, State's got to win Saturday. I mean, I, I we may be beating a dead horse at this point into the show because um, I think we've said that over and over basically in about 16 different ways but you cannot come out of Saturday night having lost to the 146th team in the net yeah. at home you just can't now here's the good news you're not going to lose that game I don't think I don't think so either. yeah I think they're going to win and probably win pretty easily yeah. I think they'll be you know this is a team that's done a pretty decent job this year of bouncing back and what I mean by that I know they had a three game losing streak but the Auburn, the Alabama game is the outlier. There, they got they got run off the court. They played good enough against Auburn to to make it closer than it was. And they obviously the LSU game they lose on a buzzer beater. And then they've bounced back since then. And that, you know they made the the Villanova game. They bounced back and won the next two games they played in that tournament. So I, I'm not I'm not concerned about their mental state or anything. I think I think they'll be very fine. I think they'll be fine. I think we'll have a good crowd. Believe it or not, back to back good crowds. I think the uh, the addition of this uh, honoring the uh, Sweet Sixteen and the Final Four teams. We'll, uh, we'll bring folks in as well. If nothing else, it'll bring those people in. <laughs> so, try right. be a lot of basketball royalty at the hump uh, uh, this weekend. Yeah, so, I think State's going to be fine. I think this will be a, a pretty easy win for them. Uh, for, for a playmaker, I'm going to go, you know, I, Reggie Perry being down the way he was last week, our last game, I, mean, not having, I think he bounces back as well uh, and has, a, has a, a big game. I mean, uh, this could be like a 25 and, and 12 kind of game for him. I said it's a big game. It was starting to become sort of a normal game uh, for him before this last one. So, but I, I see that happening for Reggie Perry. This is this will be one of his his bigger games of the season. Ah, uh, I think I'm just wanting to go different. I think I've gone Tyson Carter every time we've done this for about the last five weeks. But, yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like Robert Woodard's do a double double, something like that. He can have a big game okay. here. So, uh, I, I kind of feel like this is state's going to. For whatever reason, I feel like it's going to be a comfortable win for State. And usually, if it's a comfortable win for State, then you can probably bank on a double-double from Perry and probably a double-double from Woodard. And, uh, so, it just feels like that, that Robert may have a good game, too. So, what's so that I'll score on your comfortable win? Uh, I will say... How about 73-55? We'll go with an 18-point okay. win. Yeah, I'm sort of in that same route myself. I'm a little, maybe a little bit closer. 74-60 is where I'm going to go, and state state in control the whole way. No, no real concerns, uh, and and getting back on the winning track. The and, only thing that kind of makes me hesitant is because for state to be in control the whole way, they're going to have to play good in the first half, and they just haven't really done that. They haven't. Lot. I think they can do that. I think they can too. So yeah, I, I'm I'm with you on the whole. I, I think state, I think state will be in control the whole way. We shall see. What you don't want to do is let Vandy continue what has – I mean, like we said, they, they hung with Kentucky. They beat LSU. If Vandy comes out and they're up six, seven points in the first half, getting late, and they, they, they're they kind of feeling it again, mm-hmm. look out. I'm not too worried, though. Yeah. I'm not too worried. All right, let's switch over to women's basketball. The ladies had a huge win on Thursday night, absolutely dominant, uh, as they took down Tennessee for the a historic win 
as our good friend Robbie Falk uh, pointed out. My road out. wife, remember? Although I'm not, I'm not with her this week. <laughs> it's just, it's just not nice. Not nice to say that. Um, oh man! Final score from Knoxville, seventy-two fifty-five. First time anyone, any SEC team has beaten Tennessee at home three straight times. That's a hell of a statistic. Um, State was down by two at the end of the first quarter, and they gave up twenty-one points in that quarter. That's a lot of points. You know, Vic Schaefer not happy about that, obviously. So they give up thirty-six points the rest of the way. Or is that nice? That's not right. I'm sorry. 34 points the rest of the way. So about 11 points per quarter. Um, just a, a really solid game for Mississippi State. Uh, don't have the stats in front of me. I don't have the box score, so we won't go too deep into that. But they were dominant, especially in the second half. Defensively, they didn't allow hardly anything to happen. Even with Jessica Carter in foul trouble, they got good minutes out of Yamiah Morris. Promise Taylor gave them some minutes. Danbury was fantastic, thinking she had four steals on the night. It was a, this was a, if when I talk to Vic, we'll talk to Vic at some point on Friday, I know. Um, this was a team win, I think you would say. This was one where you got a lot of great performances from your, from different players. Yeah, maybe, maybe I'm just remembering too much of the Carolina game and now this one, but it seems like this team goes on the road and they just they aren't phased. They you aren't. Know, you yeah. know, just for it to be a young team, you go into the Hornets nest it is South Carolina and then you go Go play Tennessee on the road and come out with uh, at Tennessee a dominant win, and then playing at Carolina, the number one team in the country. I still think you should have won that game. Yeah, uh, road doesn't bother them. That ought to give you a lot of confidence. If assuming state, yeah, I figure they'll host those first couple games of the NCAA tournament, and then ought to give you some confidence um, when you when you get into that Sweet Sixteen round. If you get there, that, that this team playing away from its home court is going to do just fine. Yeah, I mean. They are, in all likelihood, playing for a top-four seed in the NCAA tournament, which I think they're going to get. I mean, right now I think they're on the three-seed line. And they're the number two team in the SEC. They have one loss in conference play. Um, and in all likelihood, I mean, if they can get through this stretch here, because they play Texas A&M on Sunday, and they play uh, – they play they have Arkansas coming up too, which are two of the ranked teams in the conference. If they get through that, I mean, they have a, a fantastic chance to finish – I guess that would be seventeen and one. Do they play eighteen games or is it sixteen games? I, I don't. I it's different. I think it's different than the men. I don't. I'm sorry that I don't know it off the top of my head. But they're they're in fine shape. And like you and like you just said, they haven't been. And, and that goes beyond this. Even think about the uh, the game out on the West Coast with Stanford. You know, they were in. They lost by three. So they have not had. They haven't had any game this year where they've looked lost or that you know. And and you would. That's something before the season I would have expected. I would have expected there would have at least been one game where the, the the youth was just overwhelmed by something, and they 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 not that they I would ever expect a Vic Schaefer team to get run off the court. Yeah, but you know if they had gone to South Carolina and lost by twelve, and they had had a bad shooting night and looked like they were you know never really in it, I wouldn't have written that off on anything. Yeah. But instead, they just go. They go on these games and they play really well. It kind of seems like their sluggish outings have been at home for whatever reason. There have been some of those. LSU, Auburn. Uh, this what was the, the last game? Um, Georgia. They they they've had some some games like that. So, but this team is it's crazy. I, I and Vic would never say this, obviously, but he has to think I am so far ahead of schedule with this team. I mean, I don't think that he thought he'd be twenty one and three at this point in the season. I don't. I, I think if you could get Vic Schaefer in a totally honest moment and said, "24 games in, what's your record going to be?" He just said five or six losses, and they haven't had them. I mean, I, 
truth be told, lots of you listening probably uh, are able to pay a, a ton more attention to the women's team than I am, but I wouldn't have guessed 21 and 3. No, I wouldn't uh, have. No, no way I'd have guessed that. Right. And then, again, looking ahead to next season, they're going to be in the top three to start the year, you would think. Because they bring everybody back but Danbury, who's a big piece to replace, but then you're bringing another five star, another McDonald's All American. You have two McDonald's All Americans on the roster. That's it's strong. This is not going anywhere. It's just not going anywhere. Let's talk a little baseball. Uh, today, yeah, the SEC coaches released their predicted order of finish, and they're all SEC teams. Well, here's what I took away from uh, from that: the the SEC is going to be really, really good. Like it's always really good, but. Here's what I would say. Like, I expect in a given year that South Carolina, I'm sorry, that Vanderbilt, uh, Florida and Georgia, State, Arkansas, uh, LSU and Ole Miss are all going to be pretty good, right? But when you start adding Tennessee and Auburn to the mix, and Auburn's getting first place votes in, vote, votes in the West, and Tennessee's probably going to, they're bringing, they were an NCAA tournament team last year, they'll probably be back in it. Now we're starting to, it's starting to become very difficult. And somebody made a good point, or Richard made a good point today on Sports Talk Mississippi in that, you look at the bottom of the league, Alabama and Kentucky, who nobody has any faith to do anything in. One of them's going to Hoover, though, because Missouri can't. Yep. So somebody's going. Probably Alabama, if I had to guess. Nobody likes Kentucky. <laughs> Poor. I, I don't think. I don't know that Nick Mingione is going to be up there much longer. Um, but it's just it's just going to be so difficult. But State picked second in the West, fifth overall. Got a first place. I got four first place votes for the West and one overall SEC championship vote. And these were votes by the coaches, and I don't, I, you can't vote for your own team, so it's not, I don't think Lamonis voted for himself. Um, yes, your, your your opening thoughts on that, I guess. What, what, you know, Vanderbilt's obviously the preseason favorite. Arkansas's favorite over State in the West. Not a lot of surprises. No, um, I I guess the first thought is just that Vandy, who is are they a consensus number one across the board? Like no, in the country? No, Louisville's number one. Uh, okay. Yeah. Number that, one Van, Vandy's been number one in a poll or two. Though, yeah, right? it, it just depends. But Louisville's been number one, too. Okay. From, from what I – I follow D1. And I think you do, too, yeah, right? Yeah, I do. So let's look. I haven't looked. You, you continue your point, though. But just that, that people expect Vandy to be a machine because despite the fact that everyone is – My hand is raised. Yeah. Uh, and, and, I mean, people should expect Vandy to be a machine. I'm not criticizing that at all. I expect them to, to, to be a machine as well. Um, I, despite the fact that the SEC is just chock full of elite teams, Vandy was the clear favorite to be the champion with, what what was it, eight or nine first place votes to win the overall league? I mean, yeah, yeah I think it was eight because they I think they had nine to win the East and then I think they had eight to win the overall championship. But yeah. to be such a clear favorite in a league with dominant teams just goes to show how highly everyone thinks of Vandy. But... I mean, if any of those teams, man, State, uh, LSU, um, any of them, Vandy, of course, mm-hmm. if they're sitting there at Omaha, if they're playing for a national title at the end, nobody's surprised. So Louisville's number one in D1. But of two through 11, you've got seven SEC teams. Vanderbilt is two. Florida is four. Georgia is five. Arkansas is seven. Auburn is eight. State is 10th. And LSU is 11th. And I mean, and then on top of that, A and M is twentieth, and Ole Miss is twenty fifth. So six of the the seven in the the uh, West are ranked, and then the top three in the East are all in the top five. Uh, and of course, you know, think about Ole Miss. 
They play Louisville week one. Uh, so the number one team in the nation will be here week one. Gosh, man. Be, be in the state of Mississippi, I should say. When you when you play the schedule that you play as a team in the West. Or Miss, a team have in you the seen SEC, Ole Miss's schedule? Oh, it's brutal. Brutal. Because they, they play, they, they open with Louisville. They literally could finish. Well, you just said that. Yeah, think, they, but. and they go to the tournament out at East Carolina, too. Yeah. They could literally finish one game above 500 and be a contention to, contention to host because their RPI is going to be so high. They also, I think they get Vanderbilt, Florida, and Georgia. I could be wrong on that. I think I think you're right. I think that I know State has Vanderbilt in Florida, but they miss Georgia. I mean, the, the time you get through that, if you can like get through that, and like you're hosting the regional is almost like a yeah, just a vacation. Yeah, they probably won't host because that, that that's going to be the key for them. You're saying Ole Miss, yeah, Ole Miss, yeah, yeah. because because I think State's absolutely oh State's going absolutely to host. Gonna host. I think with Ole Miss, it's just going to be about we have to finish above 500. Because right now you look at their schedule in the SEC, they're probably going to go like thirteen and seventeen. So that means the rest of the way you have to go uh, fourteen and nine. I think I did that right. Seventeen, yeah, fourteen and nine. So that that would be that would be twenty seven and twenty six. Here's Ole Miss's problem. And then of course you have the tournament, the SEC tournament, and so on and so forth. To to have a good like league record, you you need to win a lot of Friday nights. Mm-hmm. Um. And I like Nikhazy. I like Nikhazy, but I don't like him as good as JT Ginn. I don't like him as good as Asa Lacey. I don't like him as good as Kumar Rocker. Emerson Hancock. Emerson Hancock. Um, who was it? Uh, Tanner, Tanner Burns. Burns. Yeah, I mean, there's so I mean, I so like many guys, yeah. I mean, you could make a case to me, mm-hmm. and they're not going to do this, but you could make a case to me if I if I was Mike Bianco to leave Nikhazy on Saturday. And just, We've talked about that. We talked about that. Was it last year? A couple of years ago. Maybe not. Maybe not you Here we are me. talking more Ole Miss baseball than well, State I mean, baseball. Well, it's SEC baseball, though. Yeah. I mean, it's worth talking about. But we talked about it in terms of uh, – it may have been last year, or I can't remember when it was, but when State was just – they had they, – maybe it was Pilkington's first year as the big starter. And you were just like, maybe play him on Saturday and just you know sort of toss up for Friday and do what you got to do. And that's not that's, – it feels a little give up, but sometimes it's about being strategic. The, the problem with this is is that Mike Bianco and strategy, not exactly best, you know, yeah. not exactly dance partners there. His interview, by the way, not that I don't know if you want to listen to it or not, and I get that if you don't, but he did a sit down with Richard Cross about thirty minutes long. It's really interesting, you know. He talked and he talked about, I wouldn't use the word disdain for analytics, but he talked about you know how he how he coaches. And I thought it was very interesting, and from especially from an unbiased perspective, which I tried to have while I was listening to it. And I did make one joke where he talked about all the teams you got to play in this league, and he left one out. He left one team out. I don't know if that was intentional or not, but anyway, let's let's go back to Mississippi State. Um, five first team all or first or second team all all SEC selections, and one of them was not JT. Ginn. One of them was, let's start. Let's start there. <laughs> JT Ginn was a D1 baseball first team All-American. Not All-SEC, All-American. And he was not an all coach's pick for All-SEC. The starting pitchers on the first team were Hancock and Lacey, and on the second team were Rocker and Burns. And see, I think I... I would take I, I, Ginn over... First off, I would have Rocker first team. I was going to say, I think I, I think Rock... In my opinion, I would rather have Rocker over Lacey. My first team guys would actually be, would be Rocker and Hancock, and then my second team would be Lacey and Ginn. And I'd have Burns sort of the odd man out. The problem with Lacey is this. He's going to be one of those, talk about analytics. That team, can they hit? I don't know if they can hit. He might lose a lot of 2-1 games. Here's where I wonder if JT got hurt a little bit in in this SEC coaches, right? 14, yeah. 14 SEC coaches. 
And JT had a, I mean, SEC freshman of the year. I mean, he was, had a really good year last yeah. year. But I wonder if if him getting hurt towards the end mm-hmm. is kind of still in it some might. of their some it, of their minds. That, that's fair. Because uh, he, he didn't have the greatest of outings in Oxford, remember? Yeah. And uh, he, after the LSU game, he sort of he, he, he had a few down. outings towards the end, yeah. and I wonder if that kind of it's in, in, inside the league, like that's kind of the last memory of 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 very him. possible. So, I, just spitball as to why, because that, that to me that's the only reason that he's not on this list. Because mm-hmm. I really think he's at least going in. You have to project him as one of the four best pitchers in the conference. Now for the other side of this, the guys who did make it, I want you to do me a favor. I'm going to give you the lineup card. Just fill out the first five hitters for me. What's your first five batting order? For Mississippi State? Yeah. Rowdy leading off. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think. Who, who do I like? See, I'm a little bit... Don't, don't, don't think too much. Just just first first thought. Who, who Who's batting second? <sighs> I'll say Westberg, but the reason I don't want to say Westberg is because all the strikeouts of last year scared okay, me in but, the two-hole. But, we'll but I'll say Westberg. Who's in third? Uh, I'll leave Tanner Allen there just because he usually hits third, which means Foskey's cleanup, which yeah. means Hatcher's fifth. Guess what? What? All five of those guys are first or second team all oh, SEC. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't real sure where you were going with that. That's where I was going but, with yeah. that. Talk about a lineup that's ready to rake. I was Your a little bit first su- five batters are all SEC. I was a little bit surprised Hatcher was, was there, though, to be honest with you. It, he had a strong end of the year. And I think people can project him yeah. as, I mean, when he gets full a full season, he's going to be fine. Remember, he didn't he didn't play much in like the first 15 games or so. Yeah. And uh, did somebody somebody got hurt? Was it Elijah McNamee got hurt? And, and they he actually of, played outfield. Yeah, which was an which was an adventure. Yeah. But he did at first he should be fine. And, and oddly enough, you know, you had Tanner Allen playing first and Josh Hatcher in right field. And now you're just going to swap them. <laughs> Hatcher is going to be at first, and, and Tanner Allen's going to be in right. So yeah. now you're just, you're just swapping places exactly. there. But, but I do think that Allen's a little more of a natural outfielder than, than Hatcher. I agree. Which, which kind of makes you wonder a little bit, why didn't uh, try try that last year in, in McNamee's absence? But neither here nor there. I think it all worked out just fine. But, um, yeah, I was a little bit surprised that Hatcher's on the list, mm-hmm. but I'm not – I'm not saying he's not deserving because I, I think that the way he finished last year mm-hmm. could be just a, a, a harbinger of, of what's to come for him because I, I think with a full season now as a junior mm-hmm. that he may be about to have a monster year. I agree. I agree with you. And boy, if he does. Yeah, if he, if he has a big year, if he's let's, – let's, I'll be conservative. He's 325, 12 home runs, 45 to 50 RBI. Do you remember that homer he hit? Was it the regional yeah. where he just murdered it? Yeah, there were he had a couple of shots. Wasn't it like, like that. over the, the center field over, batter's over eye? Over the batter's eye, yeah. And we're just like there were like there were about five or six home runs last year. Not all of them by MSU players. The, the South Carolina one comes to mind. Where the entire press box was just like, my God. As soon as it was off the bat, we're like, that is gone. <laughs> and there were there were there were five or six shots like that. The the park Last year became a hitter's park. I'm interested to see if it holds up another season like that. I think it's going to. I think it is too. Particularly yeah. when you have like when you have Foskew mashers like this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, between those five guys, could you get? We talked about two of them getting thirty, but between those five guys, could we get to sixty? Sixty home runs. Uh, let's see. 
rowdy. I could see anywhere between five and ten. Okay, so let's we'll we'll, we'll go we'll, we'll split the difference everywhere. We'll say seven for rowdy. Okay, uh, Westburg between ten and fifteen. So twelve. So we're at nineteen. I'm, I'm, I'm I'll round down even. Okay, so ask you. No, Allen. Oh, Allen. Uh, I was gonna say like. Eight to ten kind of seems right for him. We'll say eight. There. So twenty-seven. Uh, fifteen to twenty for Foscu. Seventeen. So that's uh forty-four. So you're not gonna get to sixty because I don't think we're gonna give sixteen to Hatcher. But you're gonna but be over get, fifty. I mean, you get ten or twelve. If you get yeah yeah, and that's and we like I said, I was low on everything. Yeah. So it's it's possible because with Hatcher, let's say he gets ten, so we're at fifty-four, and that's the low estimate for everybody. So it's possible. There's, and then, I mean, if you get if you get anything, and I think you will from Luke Hancock, and then from whoever else is in the starting lineup, like be it Landon Jordan, Brandon Pimentel, uh, you know, anybody else, Brad yeah. Columbus, whoever it is, it's just gravy at that point. State's gonna State's gonna gonna smoke the baseball this year. I feel pretty confident in that. And if, if uh, we, we've been saying it for the past few weeks, at least I have, if Sarantola and McLeod are what they think they're gonna be. This team's going back to Omaha, and yeah. they're gonna have a chance to win it. Well, well, it's why when you look at what that offense can be, it's why that State can go defensive at third base and in left field if they want to. You know, if you want to put Cameron James at third, and and look, I'm not saying that Cameron James can't be a good offensive player too. I just I've heard more about his glove. Any, anybody you talk to over there will just rave about how good he is defensively. Yeah. So I mean, he he could provide you some offensive pop too i mean i'm not i'm not trying to discredit that but usually as a first year player in this league the bat takes a minute to kind of come around a little bit the glove is usually solid from day if you want to go defensive and put cameron james as as your third baseman most days you can afford to do that and let him kind of figure it out at the plate because you got five six other guys that you probably think is going to mash the ball all year long um and, and kind of the same way in left field so i don't know uh I think State is going to have the offensive firepower that is particularly at third and left. They have time to kind of figure things out. I agree. And and if if they are a better team with better defenders there, mm-hmm. um, you can go that route. Of course, ideally, you got somebody that can scoop it and smash it too. But yeah, we'll see. And they're strong up the middle too with with Westberg and Foscu and, and Jordan. So anything they get from the corners is just everything's just. There's a lot of gravy on these mashed potatoes here. There's a lot. That you know what you got the bulk here, can you, whatever you get extra, is what pushes you from, from not even good to great. I'm not, I'm not even going there, but like great to elite. Yeah, to win a national title. He, you know, here's. I will say this: I think if State doesn't win a national title this year, it's going to be a couple of years to reload and get back because you're, you're losing yeah, a ton. Yeah, you, you, you will lose a ton with those those guys. But I'm kind of thinking on the fly here. You know, last year when you looked at that team. They were so deep, you could kind of look at them and and and, and say, uh, you know, you, you can lose a guy. I mean, they lost McNamee for a while, and they were yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, that that kind of deal. But if if they had lost Mangum, you would have felt like, ugh. Yeah, because then you're talking about moving Rowdy over, and then yeah, you, you just felt. I don't know that there's a and this isn't this is a credit to the team. I'm not trying to discredit any of those guys. They are so talented across the board. I don't think there's a single player. Now, if you start talking about two and three different guys, then we've got a different discussion. But I don't think there's one guy that today you told me this guy gets hurt 
Actually, it may be Jake again if you told me that. Yeah. Like, if he gets hurt, may, you then you got three him. question marks on the weekend. Um, but I, I'm thinking like position player wise. Yeah. I don't think there's a single guy you could say this guy's hurt, and I would say season direct. Is do you think there's one guy? Maybe Foscue's the Foscue is probably the one is the closest to it. Yeah, Foscue or Westberg. You, you don't want to lose either one of those guys in the middle. I think that throws everything off because you're losing the middle of your defense and the middle of your batting. Yeah. Gear. So. Um, we'll see. Is JT Ginn's health the the like when you look at the entirety of the roster and you mm-hmm. say this guy has to stay healthy? Is JT Ginn the guy that has to stay healthy? Yes, I think it is. Yeah. Well, I think, but I don't think that that's that's probably true of most teams that your Friday night guy needs to stay healthy. It's, yeah, it's tough to win when you're. I mean, think about last year. If Ethan Small hadn't been healthy, that's true. You know, and what's that team look like? So, eh, good I, point. I, I don't feel like we're reinventing the wheel when we say that. All right. Let's talk a little football, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, Thing I, is, though, yeah. before you get to football, like had Ethan gotten hurt, I guess as it played out, JT ended up getting hurt too. But um, had Ethan gotten hurt, you would have still had the SEC Freshman of the Year yeah. on Friday night. And I don't know, maybe you'll have that anyway with like McLeod or somebody. McLeod you just don't really know at yeah. this yeah. point. But if, if like JT got hurt early in the year, then, I mean, everybody's confident in McLeod, but you don't really know till you see it for yeah. sure. You're just left with three I, questions. I'm more excited to watch the Saturday game than I am the Sunday game or the Friday game because I know you what know I'm going to see. Yeah. I know what I'm going to see with JT. I, want, I haven't seen Christian McLeod. Yeah, I want to see it. All right, let's switch football. Uh, you got a chance to meet with the new assistant coaches on uh, Wednesday. Saw them all. Talked to them all. I did okay. Just give me your, your, just your initial thoughts on some of those guys. Obviously, you know we know Tony Hughes, uh, but some of the new faces. What, yeah. did, you, what did you think of them? Uh, I was really impressed. I mean, you know, doing what we do, sometimes you talk to, to assistant coaches and they don't really want to be there and it's pretty obvious they don't want to talk to you kind of thing. I didn't really get that impression from any of them. They, they were all very open, very uh, personable, um, which probably speaks maybe to how well the group would be as recruiters, you know, walking into a living room. Everybody seemed like genuinely good dudes. Um, that said, I mean, I know it's still the honeymoon period. The wins and losses hadn't come yet. So, uh, if state, if state struggles, maybe it'd be a different atmosphere, but i tell you what, man, it was, it was, it was pretty cool to talk to those guys. Um, Darcel McBath was really, I enjoyed talking with him because he was a former Leech player. Yeah. And so it was just neat to ask him about, uh, you know, what was it like to play for him? Um, because that's what obviously these other guys and 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 he, he with just a humongous smile was talking about how it was one of the hardest things he's ever done in his life, but it was the best thing he's ever done in his life because of the leech discipline, but yet how fun of a guy he is to play for mm-hmm. kind of deal. Um, I, I enjoy talking to him, just getting some his perspective on that because he enjoyed playing for him so much despite how hard it was. Mm-hmm. That now he wants to just work for the man. Yeah, I mean that's just kind of a a glimpse into what Mike Leach is and 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 what people think of him. I'll just give you a name and you just give me a quick blurb what you thought of them, and we'll start on offense with Eric Millay. Uh was was really and, and look, I'll be honest with you, it's easy to be impressed when you just meet nice people. Yeah, and so I mean, I was impressed by all the guys, but yeah, it, it was. <sighs> I enjoyed talking with him as the running backs coach because my my process in talking with him some was just like in the air raid, you're kind of the forgotten man, it seems. You know, 
Mm-hmm. Everybody's always talking about the quarterback. Everybody's always talking about the receivers. Um, and it's like, are you hesitant at all to, to run the ball? And it's no, if, our, if the matchup says run the football, we're going to run the football Yeah, kind of deal. So when you talk about the air raid all the time, it, it was just, it was, I think Mississippi State fans would feel comfort to know that the running backs coach said that when they look out there and they see an obvious situation to run the football, they're not going to be hesitant to hand the football off. Okay. He said, now, like, if, if, the, if it was like a 50-50 situation, like, they would probably always lean pass in mm-hmm. this offense. Mm-hmm. But if, if if they look out there and see an obvious situation to hand the ball to Kyle and Hill or whoever, they're going to do that. Yeah. So, uh, Some of the receivers coaches, let's start with Dave Nickel. Uh, I'll, I'll just kind of combine Nickel and, and Spurrier Jr. just because okay. both receivers coaches and both yeah. kind of said some of the same things. But uh, it was just really – talking with those guys and, and, and seeing how they kind of work together. And both of them kind of had the same message about how simplistic this offense is to pick up because they are so re- – repetitive is kind of the wrong word, but they, they have so few different formations and simple. things. It's simple. Yeah. It, it's just really simple. And and, and they were talking to uh, – Nickel was talking about how uh, – while they all have the label of like Spurrier's the outside receivers coach, he's the inside receivers coach. Like there are times over the course of a football game where Spurrier may be coaching inside receivers if he's closer to a guy. There, <laughs> I mean, they they kind of know what everybody's doing, kind of thing. It's not like uh, it, it is a very and I got this vibe too from talking to all of them. It is a very close knit operation. These guys are really close to each other, as you can probably tell, since they all basically came. Yeah. from Washington State to here. These guys are all good buddies. Now, I mean, we saw that a little bit before with Mullen, and I hate to bring that up, but like with Mullen and Hevesy and Billy Gonzalez, I mean, we saw the boys club there for a little while. Right. And so I know that's not always a good thing. But early on, I get the vibe this is a, a entire coaching staff that is a unit full of of guys that are comfortable working together. And, and a lot of them are young, too. You yeah, know, not yeah. not to knock on Hevesy and Gonzalez and those guys, but that's kind of some – a little well, bit older crew. And even them, those guys were young when they got to Mississippi State. You yeah. Know, think of, you can think of they were – in 2009, they were, what, maybe early 40s, yeah, late well, 30s? Well, Gonzalez yeah. came later on. I guess a little later, yeah. But um, a lot of these guys are still young and hungry and trying to prove themselves a little bit. So – I just I get a different vibe, but they're all cool working with each other. It's like a here I am spouting out Mississippi State cliches, but state always claims to be family. This coaching style kind of seems like a family because they they've all been together the last two or three years as a team, basically. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, talk, talking to both receivers, coaches, how well they work together, kind of kind of stood out. You can, you can give me somebody else if you want to. Well, I was gonna say, what, tell me about your fellow Braves fan, Mason Miller. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. It really seems like that the simplicity of the offense trickles down to everybody. Um, that's kind of what I gathered out, out of my conversation with him and was one thing I wanted to ask about was, you know, when we when we were talking to Moorhead at our coach talk thing and he was talking about the offensive line and, and uh, two hands on this guy and two eyes upfield yeah, yeah. and all this other stuff. It just, everything about that, even offensive line play, seemed really complicated. And uh, I don't know, it, it just kind of seemed like even for the offensive lineman, this offense is simpler. Uh, that's kind of the vibe that I got out of him. And um, so, so yeah, I, I just – I think that as a whole, the vibe that I got from every offensive guy, 
it made me feel a little more... I mean, I was already pretty convinced, but I really think this offense is going to work. Um, we'll see. We'll see if I end up being right. But yeah. it just they just explain it and believe in it so much that it makes you believe in it when you talk to them. Because it's almost like, why didn't everybody do this? <laughs> like, why? why is, uh, I mean, they, they sit there and talk about their offensive scheme, and they're like, yeah, we. I, I mentioned this on yesterday's show. Spurrier Jr. was talking about a, a lot of teams say we, we focus on us. But we really focus on us. <laughs> like uh, we spend more of our time watching film on us and, and perfecting what we do, and and it's so simple and whatever that, that. And you look at their track record, man. Even with not top tier talent, that offense moves the football. Yeah, and it scores points. So that, that's the vibe that I got from the entire the entirety of the the offensive coaches. Really, let's switch gears and let's talk defense and start with Zach Arnett. Ah, uh, he he seemed to be. I got. The impression, maybe I get the wrong impression. I don't know, but he seemed to be like a really dude that could be intense yeah. when he needs to be. Which I guess that defensive yeah, guy, the coordinators, yeah. yeah uh, but he was really, you know, really friendly guy. I even let off my conversation with him, asking him about Syracuse. You know, because he was only there for like ten days or mm-hmm. whatever it was, and he he, he graciously answered the question uh, too. You know, he said, you know, in a perfect scenario, that isn't how I would have drawn it up, but I couldn't pass up on this opportunity. Yeah. Um, to come here, kind kind of thing. So, uh, I was really impressed with him, and and something that impressed me the most about him wasn't necessarily what he said, but every other defensive coach was like praising that and liking what they saw out of the three three five. And it, it seems like that that all of those defensive coaches think it's something that for state's personnel that they're going to be able to pull off and pull off pretty effectively. What did you think from uh, Jeff Phelps? Really friendly guy. He's got like family in West Point too. Okay. Um, and, and who else know, was? Does he know Brandon Walker? I didn't ask him. He I should have asked him that. Gosh. Yeah. Um, there, there's a couple of these guys that that have Mississippi ties a little bit. Um, I think it was Nickel that uh, mm-hmm. had some ties in Louisville. Yeah. Well, so, Leach uh, talked about that on uh, on Wednesday at the at the press conference. He talked about you know. Everybody's so concerned, but a lot of these guys have Southeast. They've coached here or lived here or something. Yeah, you know? I, I want to say I, I may be getting them mixed up because when you talk to when, when you're really because this was our first opportunity to meet these guys. Yeah. When you meet 10, 11 guys in one day, kind of all runs together a little bit. But I, I think it was Nickel that said his mom, I think, was raised in Louisville. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, the, some of these guys have some some Mississippi ties, and and yeah, Phelps uh, just a really. Really friendly guy, mm-hmm. and, and he too was basically praising that he thinks he has the personnel on, on, on the defensive line to do what Zach Arnett wants to do. Okay. Um, what about uh, you? You mentioned McBath already, so it's Jason Washington. Yeah, I, my mine. The thing with talking to, to him that that I wanted to discuss more than anything was, I mean, he spent an entire career in Texas. Yeah. Like, why now? Why get out? I mean, you you've been in Texas your entire career. Yeah. And uh, the 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 main answer you get there is just the pull of, of coaching in the SEC. Mm-hmm. Like he, he said, it was kind of a goal of his to, you know, be in this conference. It was always kind of a goal of his. He said to coach at Texas, which he did. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and he said another on his like personal list of goals was to to coach in the SEC. And and the opportunity came, you. and uh, so here he is. And I, I can't stress to you. I, I, You'll see this when when you meet some of these guys, but just how they are really, really, really friendly. Yeah. 
<laughs> Some of these guys, and in, in, in Washington was one of them. Uh, Phelps was one of them. A few of them even stuck out like, man, it kind of feels like we've been interviewing you guys for two or three years. Yeah. I mean, it was it was a very comfortable type discussion with a lot of these guys. Uh, yeah, and, and and I also think for you guys out there listening's purposes, um, we'll, we'll see on this. It could change. But I think we're going to have assistant coach access back um, during like spring and fall. I, I get that vibe. That this wasn't the last time we're going to talk to these guys. That's ever. good news. Um, you know, Joe, and I, I mean, I love him. Every head coach has the opportunity to do what they want to do. But I mean, look, the reason we didn't get to talk to Bob Shoup and the reason we didn't get to talk to a lot of the assistants and things, but like one assistant a week um, kind of deal last year was because Joe wanted to be the voice. Um, I, I mean, Mike Leach could do something that I'm not anticipating, but I get the vibe that, that he's not going to be like that. I think we're going to get to talk to some of these guys. And from talking to them the other day, I think that's good because they all – they didn't really give coach speak type answers either. Um, they, they were really insightful. Uh, I think it's going to provide good content for us to talk about and that's write good. about. That's and, good. One more coach, and, though, and that's Matt Brock. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, who's also kind of pulling double duty, you know, with doing linebackers and uh, and special teams. The thing that stood out to me about him was, and I did talk about this in the rumblings yesterday. Yeah. Um, he was the, the coach that I asked about, is there a misconception that defense is going to be yeah. on the field a lot? And and he was kind of like, yeah, because we're going to – the offense is going to stay on the field for a good amount of time. Yeah. Because they're going to move the chains and they're going to – we're not running no huddle all the time kind of thing. So we, we kind of talked more big picture than we did specifics and didn't really talk special teams all that much. I, I did tell him that uh, whether or not he knew this, uh, that special teams was a little bit of an area of consternation for Mississippi yeah. State fans a year ago and uh, kind of get his, his thoughts on it. And uh, that was probably his answer to that. I mean, while it was a good answer, it was one of the more coachy speaky things I heard all day. Yeah. But I mean, what do you say to that question? Yeah, I mean, they you, sucked last year. That's why, <laughs> so, we're, that's why we're so, here. Uh, it's one of those deals where we're just kind of having conversation and talked about last year and just, you know, what's your theory on coaching special teams kind of thing. So, um, but yeah, first impressions, if they mean anything, state's in good shape. But they don't mean anything at the end of the day, what means. Everything is the scoreboard. We'll see how they do on that end. But uh, from from a working relationship, and I think from a content perspective for all you guys, I think it's going to be good stuff coming. I agree. All right. We will talk to you guys again, hopefully on Sunday, but we'll find out how that will work. Uh, and then we'll uh, have a, another long week here of, of Thunder and Lightnings. We got The next week is the big week. Men's basketball. Women's basketball. Baseball is finally here. we got a lot, a lot, a lot to have talk a about. Have a knock-it-out Joel Friday. That's correct. Our first knock it out Joel Friday of the season. I'm excited. So talk to you guys very, very soon. Have a great weekend. Hope to see you in Starkville uh, Saturday at the hump. For Joel T. Coleman, I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.